Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, it's the last Sunday of 2023. The year is over. This is the 31st. Tomorrow is the dawn of the future. Stepping into 2024. But as of today, we find ourselves at the end of 2023. And so, I have decided just to pick a few little bits from over the year that have been highlights or have personal meaning to me, including the songs that I have chosen, which are ones that have just stood out for me over the year. And also I've just taken snippets from different interviews and conversations that I've had with people to share with you also. Where is your happiness found? My happiness is found in the person of Jesus. So let's start with being happy. We will begin with a voice that you have become accustomed to, and that is the voice of Charlize, who has read to us our lectionary psalm every week. And so, let there be no exception, but we shall begin there with her reading Psalm 148. Our reading today is from Psalms 148. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, you men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last February, we had the pleasure of receiving the Reverend David Nixon, who was the president of the Methodist Church to this area. And I had also caught up with him for a radio interview where he was sharing his story. And part of that story was he was sharing with us his discerning process of figuring out how it was that God wanted him to go into ministry. But one of the big dilemmas for him was why no opportunities seemed to open up for him in regard to the woodwork and the skills that he had before considering ministry. Here is the Reverend David sharing with us how it is that he knew God's will for his life. You were talking, saying you're working your way through 1 Timothy at the moment. But in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2 it says, where Paul is saying to Timothy, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And I just felt, okay, that was like a verse that just felt, that's for you. 
you are called to preach the word. And so I did, I, I applied then for theological training and I was accepted. So I was, that was confirmation then. And it was a continuous, you know, that, that door opened then, shall we say, another door opened. Um, and still that question was there, Lord, very strange. Why did you do this? Why did you give me such a gifting? And then you took it away from me. Anyhow, we were in uh, theological college then, like yourself, in Edge Hill in Belfast for three years. And from there, um, we were sent to Moville in Donegal and working in two churches in Inishowen Peninsula and one church in Derry, Carlow Road. And we loved, loved it there. But while we were in college, we ended up, Rhoda and myself, ended up going out to Romania to work in a children's orphanage one summer. Then we went to... Uh, Kenya to for a work experience with the Methodist Church in Kenya for 10 weeks uh, on another summer and when we were there we felt you know this is something that we could we'd like to work somewhere like this and um, not where we were in Mombasa because it was too hot um, but we thought we'd like to work here and you know the, just love working with the people here and so on so anyhow when we were in Moville then this kind of thought kept going round in our heads, kept going round in our heads. And we said, look, we just need to apply. And again, it was like, apply, and if God opens the door, then we'll go through it. And if the door is closed, well, so that's okay, kind of thing. So we did apply, and we were accepted. So after three years and after ordination then, we were sent to uh, Birmingham for eight, nine months training. And then we were sent to Zambia in uh, South Central Africa. And we were working there with the United Church of Zambia. And the amazing thing was that when we landed in Zambia and started working in the church, I got the answer to the question. Because the church there, they had formed a relationship or a partnership with Christians in Germany, uh, in Dortmund. And uh, their friends in Dortmund said, you know, we'd like to support you, we'd like to help you. What do you need help with? And the church in Zambia, in Choma, where we were living, the, the, the local uh, congregations there, they said, our young people need training because when they leave school, it's impossible for them to get any work or do anything because they have no further education and so on. We'd love to set up a skills training centre. So we arrived at the point where, just after, or at the same time really, as they received a donation of money from Germany to set up this skills training centre. It, it corresponded or equal to 20 million kwacha. That was the, that's the, the uh, currency that they have there. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. So we're at the end of the year and here we are reflecting on the year that is past. And I'm just picking a few highlights, little sections from different interviews that I had with, with people over the year that just were a blessing to me. And I hope and pray that on the day that it is will be a blessing to you as we reminisce on the year that is past. In July, I was having a conversation with someone who was telling me that young people nowadays have no faith. So I decided to explore that. And by asking a number of young people, three questions, the same three questions that I ask for testimonies. But here they are answering the first of those questions for me. Who is God to you? For me, God is not only my saviour, 
my helper, my loving father, but also my best friend. Knowing that I'm saved in him is more than enough. But also on top of all that, having an assurance that nothing will ever separate me from his love and that he wants to have a personal relationship with me is pretty cool. So in short, God is everything to me. God to me is everything. It's great to have a personal savior who gave their life for your sins, even though we don't deserve it one bit. It shows the mercy he has for all of us, and I am eternally grateful and owe my life to him. For me, God is a loving father who wants to guide me and protect me. I believe that he has a plan for my life. This is a very difficult question to answer because God is so many things to me. God is my father, my king, my lord, my friend, my saviour, and that's only a few of the very long lists of things that he is. But there's a song called You Are My All in All, and I think that it perfectly sums up who God is. It says, He is my strength when I am weak. He is the treasure that I seek. He is my all in all. So, who is God to you? Since I've grown up in a loving Christian home, God has always been a significant part of my life. Ever since a young age, I've known God as my closest and deepest friend, even closer than a brother. Any time I've had a problem, I've turned to him, and he's ultimately given me shalom, peace and fullness. As my knowledge and experience of, of him has grown, I've realized more and more how much he loves and cares for me. In this frankly messed up world we live in, God has been a light guiding me through the darkness, aiding me in the rocky, stormy seas of life. As Jesus tells us in John 8, 12, he is the light of the world who guides his loved ones through the darkness. I've never necessarily been the most outgoing person, and having the knowledge that God never leaves a prayer unanswered is a deep comfort to me. He's a steadfast rock on which I can always depend on and leave my burdens with. I can rest assured that he has promised in his word to care for his children. I thank him daily for being my saviour and rescuer from sin, because I'm by no means perfect, but he is. He has redeemed me with his blood, when I simply didn't and don't deserve it. It's hard to believe that a holy God like him could choose to love a lowly sinner like me. But he loves me more than I will ever know. He's my all in all. To me, God is my everything. He is a forgiving saviour. He is a friend who will never leave me. And he is a father who is compassionate and really cares about me. He is a heavenly father, king of kings, lord of lords, my salvation, provider, my redeemer, and my friend. God to me is someone who would never let me down or forsake me. He is a God of unconditional love and will always be there with open arms even when we stray away at times. And he is a God that can do all things and never fail. To me, God is merciful. He forgives all my sins. To me, God is all-powerful. He heals all my diseases. To me, God is my redeemer. He has redeemed my life from the pit. To me, God is love. He crowns me with love and compassion. To me, God is my provider. He satisfies my desires with good things. Next up, we have Tom Davis, which was a more recent interview that we had. But when Tom was sharing with us about some of the tough questions that he's had to wrestle with in regard to aligning his faith with the knowledge that is there today, this answer in regard to evolution really, really struck me as very clever. Have a listen. One of the um, questions I suppose that would have, and doubts that might have come up over the years was the scientists and the experts tell us about evolution and well, are we as Christians 
hiding our heads in the sand because science shows that God didn't make the world it has evolved over time. And one of the ways that I would answer that question for myself is that if we look back over the last 130 years, the motor cars we drive today have evolved from a very simple mechanism to cars now that can literally drive themselves. And so it's true to say that cars have evolved. But the thing is, they didn't evolve by themselves. They didn't evolve by being left to time alone. They evolved because of designers, because of engineers, because there was someone there who wanted to make them better. And so the world that we live in, it may have evolved, but it, it has evolved because there was a designer, a creator, behind it and still is and for me that designer and that creator is God. We may not understand how his great power and might but when we look at creation the wonder of the human person, our hands, our feet, uh, our face, how it all works together, how we survive from one day to another, from one generation to another. It's just so wonderful and only because of a great designer called God. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Today we're having a time reminiscing, reflecting on various interviews, conversations, Songs that have been highlights for me over the last 12 months. It being the day that it is. Seeing as we have come to the end of 2023. One of these people was a contributor to the show. And that is Reverend Irene who passed away in August of this year. Here is an extract of the conversation she and I had about the person of Joseph. And I just thought it was very fitting being the time of year that it is. And we are focused on Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. And as we move from Christmas into Epiphany, remembering his role in it all. Well, in the uh, Gospels, in both Matthew and Luke, the writers give a genealogy, uh, a line of descent for our Lord that to show that he was the son of Abraham, and in fact in Luke to show that he came down from Adam, who was the son of God. But both of them trace the descent through Joseph. And it, it, it seems a contradiction, because Luke has told us two chapters earlier about the virgin birth and yet in the genealogy he traces the descent through Joseph and that doesn't tie up with me the same in Matthew um, the descent is traced through Joseph and yet Matthew tells us in the first chapter of the gospel that Joseph didn't know Mary his wife until after Jesus was born. 
So that was the that was where I started with this problem. How did Matthew and Luke move from these contradictory statements to saying that Jesus was the son of David? Okay, well let me add another little conundrum to your puzzle. We are also given no biblical account for the genealogy of Mary. Jewish ancestry has also traditionally been traced down on the mother's side as well. So how does that make things work out for us, seeing as we don't have that account, or do we? Well, we know that Mary was um, uh, uh, related to Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias, who was uh, the father and mother of John the Baptist. Now, how close a relative she was, we don't know whether she was a cousin or a niece or whatever, but Elizabeth was an older person. Mary was, uh, well, we think she was, uh, wasn't was much more than a teenager when Jesus was born. But Elizabeth and Zacharias were both of the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe in Israel. Joseph was of the tribe of Judah, which was the royal tribe. The kings came from the tribe of Judah. And son of David, being the son of David was very important in the Psalms. What the prophecies in the Psalms about the Saviour who was going to come to save the world, he was going to be of the line of David. And yet, according to the genealogies, our Lord was not of the line of David. He was only of the line of David through Joseph. So that set me thinking then about how could we possibly uh, think of Jesus as being the son of Joseph. And then I remembered that when I was working in West Africa, I was a missionary in Ghana for years, uh, when I was out there, I got to know about their custom. When uh, a baby was born, if the father gave the child a name he was saying to the family and to the community to everybody this is my son but if he refused to give the child a name it meant that he was a bit suspicious about the child's parentage and what his wife had been up to but of course it was a polygamous society so you did get infidelity from time to time but if a man gave the child a name, he was saying, this is my son. And this in a, a society where things weren't written down, you didn't have registers, registrars of births, deaths and marriages, a rural society in the country. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 1, um, Joseph is um, very anxious about getting married to a girl who is already pregnant. And if if he had been a Ghanaian, uh, he would have had to get the permission and approval of his father and his uncles and his brothers and his cousins. All the male members of the family would have had to give their approval to his choice of wife. And as a matter of fact, 
in Ghana at the institution where I worked, the students used to do a nativity play. And in the nativity play, which they wrote themselves, they always included a scene early on in the nativity play of Joseph meeting his father and his uncles and his cousins and his brothers and all the men, all sitting around discussing the fact that the girl that he was going to marry was already pregnant and not by Joseph. And he got a lot of advice. And so when we read in the Bible that he was minded, this is in the old Bible, the authorised version, he was minded to put her away privily. You could imagine what his brothers and his uncles had been saying to him. Don't have anything to do with this girl. Next up is Reverend Sylvia. She was over doing a conference with Cornerstone Sleeve Bloom Church and again I had the opportunity to catch up with her and have a conversation. She spoke of her relationship with her parents and how they were the ones who had trained her and encouraged her in the things of God. And then she shares this short story about listening to our father's voice as she reminisces on a childhood memory, sharing it as an example with us of how it is that we should listen to God. <laughs> and I'll close with this little story from my childhood. Up in northern New York... And our, our village was hills. So the village sat down where the couple of stores and the post office and the mill, that was flat down there in the valley. Our house was up this long hill. We used to close it in the wintertime for sledding. And after that long hill, our house sat there. And then there was another hill right in front of our house. And I was over across the way, down in the valley, and back up another hill, playing at a friend's house in the afternoon. My daddy had told me I could go. He did not give me a time. He said, be home before dark. Now I'm probably nine, ten. Do I know the difference between dark and light? Yeah, but dark is a relative term. And I was playing outside with my friend. We had little dishes, plastic little dishes. And I was serving my friend her dinner. We were sitting on the ground. And I was judging darkness. I know I'm supposed to be home before dark, but I could still see her silhouette and I could still see the dishes. So is it dark, dark? And suddenly I heard a voice. I won't try to reproduce it. But my father was standing on the porch of my house across the valley. I'm across the village. And I hear, Sylvia. And he could make it into ten syllables which means everybody in town knew that Sylvia was missing and it was relatively dark. My first impulse was to get up and run that way and find some place to hide. Thankfully, my second impulse was throw the dishes down, say to my friend, I gotta go. And I took a 
And I think it's when I became a track star. I ran as fast as I could run down the street, down the hill, cross the highway, take time to see there's no car, and cross the bridge and up the hill. But when I got to the steps, I slowed down and walked up into the house as though I were just so relaxed. But here's what I learned that day. Learn to love the voice. Don't run from the voice. Run to the voice. And that's why I'm here today. It's because I learned to run to the voice. My father, even of a dean, of a counselor, of a pastor, of my Lord. And I used to I used to love the verses in Philippians three about pressing toward the mark and going for the prize because I was a runner. As a child I was a runner. I was a runner. I was a runner in college. I loved those verses. But right after that day of Psalm one nineteen, when I said to the Lord, I give you permission to seek me when I go astray. Because I don't forget your commandments any more than I forgot my daddy's commandment. I was mindful all afternoon long. Daddy said, be home before dark. I was watching the sun. I didn't forget the commandment. I was making decisions to do what I wanted to do. And I ran to the voice. So that day, I had written what I call Sylvia's Prayer of Permission. Dear Lord, I give you permission to do what you must do to make me what you want me to be. Very respectfully submitted. Sign my name. Room 3, whatever it was, 310, Gaudia Hall, Houghton College, Houghton, New York, USA. Located myself and at age 83. I go back there again and again. I call it Sylvia's Prayer of Permission. Thank you for letting me share. And to anyone who's listening, I highly recommend learning to love your Father's voice. Amen. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we have been reflecting and thinking about various different things that have taken place over the year. Finally, I want to finish up with a passage of Scripture. One of the passages of Scripture that really impacted me this year was Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5. And I recorded it in a little on Cup on Tay. And so, why not join me for this on Cup on Tay, where we can sit down and reflect on how the Lord is blessing us abundantly. Welcome to a Cup on Tay, and how's it going? Oh, folks, let me tell you something that took place. There The other day, I was sitting in that square in the town, awaiting the arrival of somebody and there was another gentleman sitting on a bench in the square as well and that man I don't know who he was waiting for but he was just sitting there and the next thing this fella came flying up on a bicycle recognised him and uh, stopped 
on the bicycle, big dramatic pull up beside him. He goes, well, have you gone and received them benefits yet? And the man was like, no. He says, when you go down to that social welfare office, you make sure that you don't only just get your social welfare, you make sure that you get the benefits as well, because you deserve them benefits. They are your benefits. Don't let anyone tell you that they're not your benefits. The government, now they will try to keep your money from you, but it's your money, it's not their money, because all they want to do is hold on to the money. They are your benefits. Poor man got a terrible lecture. I was there going, ooh. It's like this poor chap had transpired, had lost his job, and he was being informed by someone about what he was entitled to and not entitled to. And it wasn't anyone that was working in citizens' advice, I can tell you. And it wasn't anyone either that was going and working in the social welfare office. No, but this man was an expert in social welfare, I'll give you that. And he was making sure that this man knew his benefits. No, no, getting social welfare wasn't enough. It had to be social welfare plus the benefits that he was entitled to. Now, I'm not begrudging anybody anything. Don't be getting that from this. But what really struck me is how this man was so adamant that this gentleman sitting on the bench ought to know his benefits. You know, we have benefits. God has given us benefits. And let me ask you a question. Do you know what they are? I was asking myself, do I know what they are? I don't. I didn't. But David actually goes and says in Psalm 103, in verse 2, Do not forget his benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget his benefits. I was like, well, I don't even know them to forget them. What are they? Now, I've often been someone who's been in Psalm 103, in verse 3. Absolutely, because it goes and says, Who forgave all our sins and healed all our diseases. And that line has really intrigued me as I've considered who Jesus Christ is in the Gospels and continue to consider who Jesus Christ is in the Gospels. And that I've noted that Jesus went and healed everybody who came to him. And that is a bit of a criteria there. Everybody who came to him, Jesus went and healed them. And so here I was looking at this. One verse. Well, man, I had missed the context of what this is about. So I want to read you the context because this is exciting stuff. Do you know the five benefits that God has given to you? Five benefits. David, speaking to his soul, goes and says the following. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There you go. Now, we can obviously come to an easy understanding of why it is that we should praise God and worship God. Because just to consider who God is in himself, we should just instantaneously want to just praise God. It should just overflow. But his benefits? So I've been going around asking people, so do you know the five benefits that God has given you? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Maybe that's, nobody that I've asked knows. we put it that way. But let me tell you what they are. Benefit number one, as I've already said, verse three, who forgives all your sins. Benefit number two, and heals all your diseases. Benefit number three, who redeems your life from the pit. Benefit number four, and crowns you with love and compassion. Benefit number five, who satisfies your desires with good things. Five benefits. Okay, let me say them again. Maybe a little bit more slowly. Number one, we all know this one. Who forgives all your sins. All your sins. 
past, present, and future. God has forgiven them. Not only that, and heals all your diseases. Do you believe that? That's a dodgy one, isn't it? Don't we question that one? But this is what he's saying. This is the benefits. David is speaking to his soul. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Soul, are you listening to me? Forget not his benefits. And these are what these benefits are, soul. Number one, you have been forgiven of all your sin. Number two, God heals you of all your diseases. Number three, God has redeemed your life from the pit. You have been saved from the grave. Death no longer has its sting. Number four, crowns you with love and compassion. So when you got up today, how were you feeling? Did you wake up going, Ooh, one of the benefits I have this day is that God has crowned me with love and compassion. His love and his compassion. What a day this is already. God has crowned me with his love and compassion. Look at the benefit of that. No, no, it doesn't stop there. And who satisfies your desires with good things. Really? Yeah, really. God is blessing you abundantly this day. Not only has he gone and forgiven you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of your sin. And so often we just major on that. Not only has he done that, but he is healing you of your diseases. He has redeemed your life from the pit. He has gone and crowned you with love and compassion. He has gone and satisfying and is satisfying your desires with good things. Stop up and ponder on that. And you know what it goes and says? Why? Why is God doing this? Was it not just enough that Jesus Christ could come from heaven above and step into this world and go and have you or I become his child, write our adoption papers in the blood of Jesus. Was that not enough? No, God has gone and blessed you with these five benefits. And David is saying to you and to me today, don't forget them. Tell your soul what these benefits are. And here is why. This is exciting. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You want to look young, you want to look fresh, you want to look alive, here's the answer. Don't forget God's five benefits. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now that got me thinking, what does that mean? I just want to go and read this little extract that I read in a book I thought was brilliant. In this psalm, David is urging his very soul to rejoice that God grants him youth that keeps coming back like that of an eagle. The eagle is the strongest of birds. It flies at 200 miles per hour, can look directly into the sun and soars above the clouds. God is offering us strength when we are weak, fortitude to look into the eye of the storm and peace to rise above our trials. It should come as no surprise to us that the one who created us also promises to renew our youth like this. Isn't that exciting? i tell you one thing. Just thinking about these benefits has me invigorated and excited and ready to face the day. And I hope that you can say the same. Thank you for joining me for this on Cup on Tea. So, there you go, folks. And on that note, I shall leave it. Thank you so much for being with me over the last 12 months. Thank you to everyone who has contributed to this show. And 
Until next year, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Heartlands on Midlands 103.